Mark Jones, finisher of GoWork Selection Class 021, joins me in this podcast episode where we talk about GoWork Selection Class 021. In addition to that event, we get into him training for it, the three other times he attempted selection before he finished in this time. We get into things he would have done differently, things he's glad he did this time, just all around a ton of content about training for these bigger events. Mark's been on previously. He was on the team that won the inaugural GORUCK team assessment event. So he was on in a previous episode for that. So glad that he came back. Didn't scare him off the first time to talk about GORUCK selection class 021. Mark, if you're listening to this, I really appreciate you. Thank you again. You're listening to the All Day Rock Off podcast, episode number 125. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. Thank you so much for all the support. Truly appreciate it. I really think you're going to get a kick out of this episode. So glad to have Mark back to talk about GORUCK Selection Class 021, everything that happened during that event, and how he's doing now. It's a fun one. Here is the interview with Mark. Today, I'm talking with Mark Jones. Really, really excited to have him back on the podcast but we're talking about GORUCK Selection Class 021, which he finished. Really excited about this and excited for this call. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm excellent. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks again for making this work. Oh, thanks for having me back on. I didn't, I didn't know that was allowed. It is. And so last time you were on, we talked team assessment, you know, just a, another little event that GORUCK puts on. This time we're talking a uh, GORUCK selection. Yep. I remember last time we talked, there had been, I don't want to say the words GORUCK selection mentioned, but there was some hinting here and there. How far, you know, how long ago did you know that you're going to be taking part in GORUCK selection 021? Well, I, I'm actually looking at my whiteboard right now and it's kind of faded out. Because, you know, last time we spoke, we were doing the move. So it was just jammed far. But uh, for October of last year, I actually did a post, too. And this one-year reminder came up with the post. Um, but it kind of hinted towards it with, you know, just having my ruck there and saying it's time to go back or somewhere, something along the lines. But I actually had it on my calendar in October of last year. Uh, it says... Uh, 15th to 20th, go finish selection. So that's uh, right here. But um, yep, so that was that was when I decided this is this is to go back. So you were you were training for this event for quite a while then. A good a good year, yeah, specifically for this event. Yep. And I remember, you know, you were talking with Jason after you finished selection class zero two one, and you had mentioned that part of your training was. Uh, taking part in complementary events that kind of you know fall around selection and uh, give you the the skills you need for that event. And so now I have to wonder: was signing up for team assessment part of that training for GORUCK selection? I, I won't hit on it too much, but you have to 
he has to, or for me, I have to, I have to explain in a flashback of my previous attempts that I did not prioritize this event at all. I thought that I could just go into it and, you know, use my endurance background to get through it, uh, in which none of those other attempts, I was, I was strength training. I was completely focused. It was not my A event. I've never rucked this much or trained this much for any event. So methodically, I went, I, I, I strategized everything I did to, to help facilitate all, all training and, and requirements necessary for completion of this event. Uh, so everything I did was a stepping stone. Uh, one of those being team assessment. Uh, un- that was, and, and that wasn't known until a couple months later, but I knew as soon as that event came out, as we talked about before, that was going to be a, a big stepping stone and confidence booster going into watching. That makes a lot of sense. And that definitely leads into you know the, the next question I had, which was, this was, as we talked about before we started recording, the fourth time that you've attempted GORC selection. And I'm curious what made this time different than the previous three attempts. Yeah, so, you know, just to harp on that, that focus point, uh, I, it, it sounds stupid, but I've never, I've never trained for selection until last year when I decided this was the one I was going to pass. Um, and real quick, you know, the first one I was invited to by another cadre, uh, and, and these are all excuses, but I'm just going to, I'm going to kind of reiterate the point in my life of where I was before the event, before signing up and also what I thought I would get out of it. Um, so the first one, it was, uh, leaving South Carolina and going through a divorce. I was living out of my car. And I, you know, events, events I call my reality. I think that's a lot of us put so much time into them and we have so much enjoyment out of uh, competing at all levels. And then when it's all over, we're kind of like, uh, what's next? You know, it's, it's like anticlimactic at the finish, but while you're in it, you're, you're in a different world. You're in a world where nothing else matters. It's, it's everything you've worked for, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to worry about bills or nothing in the outside world. Like that's, that's the reality I love so much. So to be in that, uh, you know, typically before the first selection and not really truly knowing what I was getting myself into, uh, I thought since I was, I was homeless and living out of my car that this would bring me happiness. <laughs> well, it, you know, it it kind of did it, it ass whooping, and um, you know, it's just at one point something hit home, and and I was just walked off the beach, and shortly after, Jason he followed me and said, "What the fuck?" <laughs> kind of uh, kind of gave me the pep talk of like, "You were doing great. You shouldn't have left this event." So, you know, then again, I just jumped right. I, I think I might have signed up for the next one a few days later. Uh, and, and again, just didn't really train for it. Uh, that was just a freak thing. I was, I was approaching 24 hours, and then I dropped over. Uh, the cadre said, you're finished. Uh, I just blacked out at some point. It was really weird. I don't remember it. 
but they said I just dropped, hit the ground, and then fast forward, you know, I immediately just jumped right into the next one. That one was with Stony in Montana, and you know, him, him and I, we did our first ones together. That's where we met, and it's it kind of sucks because Stony would have had. I know there would have been three of us if I stayed on that beach because as soon as I left the beach during my first selection, shortly after I turned around and there was Stony. So I uh, <laughs> I feel bad for putting him through a couple more of them as well. But um, in Montana, it was just a matter of I was content. We We climbed up this big mountain and I put in a lot of work and I knew my body was going to take it for another 24 hours so i just i called it and uh that was it just you know three three different events not prepared the right way not not doing my research very rookie mistakes all all through and it's just just wasn't ready for it this time i made 100 percent sure i was ready to go to the end no problem and so you mentioned a couple times that up until this attempt, you had never really trained for selection. And so I think it's it might be worth noting what your your traditional, you know, fitness level is, because it doesn't sound like you're rolling off the couch and attempting selection, that you've got a, a pretty solid base for some of the other stuff that you do. Yeah, so so the baseline it migrated. So at different points in my life it went from uh a triathlon, ultra running to obstacle course racing, to uh, there was a time where I was death racing. And, you know, these were all the priorities over selection. And and through my experience, if you prioritize anything over selection, uh, you, you're just not going to make it. You know, uh, this time, like I said, this is, this is priority. Everything was a stepping stone and contributed to the success. And, uh, you know, there, there's a lot, a lot of sacrifice. Montana, when Jason, he, he, I don't know if you know this, but he restricted me from the event for two years. He said, I don't want to see you for two years. And I said, Roger that, you know, and, and at that point, I'm like, I'm probably not going to even do this. It, it's it's off the radar. And it truly was. I went off and did other things. We we went in one world toughest mutter a couple of times. We uh, we did some, you know, adventure racing, uh, some death racing, some, all these other things. And I was, it was last year where, you know, I, I opened my closet and I pulled out the rock and, uh, I was supposed to actually go, I, I volunteered as a pacer for marathon. So they, I was, they were overstaffed. So I was already there. The trip was paid for. And I was like, you know, fuck it. I have my rock and I'm going to go. I'm going to go ruck run this thing. And, and I just, you know, the feelings just came back and I felt alive having that weight on me and, you know, running past people that didn't have weight. And it was just, it was fun again. It brought a new spark. And, and then I went back home and I was like, I should keep at this. I should, I should, this is the year. This is the year I'm going for it. So that's kind of how it sparked. And was that run, was that your, you know, somewhat legendary? 345 marathon <laughs> no no that was a uh that was a 128 half marathon i think oh um, you know no biggie yeah. just a 128 half when people are maybe don't quote me on that time i, I think it was more but 
It was probably it was probably actually like one thirty eight, but I, I don't know. It was it was just fun. I had a good time running it, and um, you know, it, it that was kind of like off the couch because I haven't picked up a ruck for a while, and it wasn't that wasn't forty five. I think that was like thirty five maybe, but I mean, it was that's that's what got me back into it. Still a lot of weight. Still a great time. That's awesome. So you get out there. You're excited about rucking again, and you tell yourself that that this is going to be the year. You sign up for, you know, a number of events leading up to selection. It sounds like to kind of prepare yourself for Gorak selection. Was there ever a time that you really felt ready for selection, and that you just wanted the event to be there, or, you know, were you always wishing that you had had one extra week to train, or had done something a little different? Well. You know, it's kind of funny looking back and, and, you know, contributing factors towards signing up was the, you know, when team assessment did come out, they had, I think it was like a buy one, get one free. So it was like 99 bucks for team assessment. And then you got selection for free. So I was like, this is, this is such a great deal. And, you know, the whole, the whole thing, uh, that the whole thing about skin in the game really came true because amongst a bunch of other things, this is the first selection I actually paid for because the Padre got me into it the first time. He he hooked me up and then there was a med drop and you know, it's just like I just never had the skin in the game before. So even having that little ninety nine dollar fee was like I actually this is I paid for it. So <laughs> I don't know. That really helped. Uh it's the little things. It's the little things. But um, as far as training, no, every the the stars aligned, everything matched up. Um, however, nobody nobody knew that one person knew this, and that's Brian from Heavy Drop Training. Um, he we were going through it was about maybe three weeks out, and we were going through his uh, his training, and he knew what was coming up. And, and knew that I couldn't make all the workouts because I was kind of tapering down. But um, I did I did a little five-mile um, just, you know, confidence boost run, make sure I had the time. And, and the terrain I was running in is has an elevation. It's very rocky. It's just it's a harder course, right? And I, like, tweaked something in my, in my hamstring. And I was out. I was down for, like, three days. And I told him about it, and he's just like, don't worry, just you're gonna be fine. Just relax. And uh, I was really worried. And this was this was like approaching just about I don't know two weeks out. So it, it came in at the right time, you know, going on taper. But yeah, that was that's the only thing that worried me the entire year of training was like one tweak that put me out for three days for the event. Even the little things like that can be just the the worst because it's a, a reminder that you're not invincible yeah <laughs> it's like that nancy kerrigan scream too it's like why me you know like it, <laughs> i couldn't believe it was happening like that close to the event so but i got recovered yeah glad, i mean glad to hear you got recovered and you know i don't know what the deal is but i feel like for myself whenever we're, i'm about a week and a half out from an event i'll usually get sick and I'll and I'll get better maybe three days before the event starts, but every time I'm just I'm just racking my brain. I'm like I need to get better. This is the stupidest thing, 
And so there, you yeah. know, there you are out on what's supposed to be a confidence boosting run, you know, tweak something and, and three days later, you're just happy that it was two weeks out, not two days out. Yeah, I don't think I would have made it if it was two days out. It would have been really tough. I, it was just like some sharp pain that just, I, it was, they almost had me immobile. It was insane. I, I couldn't believe it. So. That is rough. And I mean, even though it was only three days, it's it's stuff like that where when you're out there during an event, at least for me personally, I'll start thinking back to it. Be like, man, if I you know could tweak myself on something like a like a five mile run, then I got to be really careful now. Right. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I kept telling myself I I only have to run once. <laughs> so if I just get by that, I I can I can make it happen. But I love it. I was worried. You know, like coming from a running background, like going through this whole cycle and having that be the fear, it was, it was setting me back a bit. Yeah, I can imagine because I mean, you've got a, a huge running background, you know, ultra marathons, triathlons, you know, ruck running your half, your full, uh, you know, running seems to be in your blood. And then for that to be the thing, it's got to be, yeah, just a little, a little tricky mentally to, uh, to wade through that. Yeah, typically the push-ups, you know, so run trumps it. <laughs> <laughs> so was there anything else, you know, leading up to Selection 021 that was notable for you now looking back or anything that was um, different this time around that you felt like really helped you before uh, we start tackling the actual event and getting there? Yeah, like, you know, to, besides the training I say by myself, there's so many, there's so many different things that changed, you know, this year uh, for training. But I mean, obviously, you know, team assessment, winning that, I mean, that was, that was huge. Like, you know, to, to partake in the first event, which I absolutely love in inaugural events. Um, and then when it, I mean, it's just, that was huge. And then right after that, we camped along the country. We drove to Colorado, started a new life and, so those are all pivotal moments, like just building up to that day. Um, you know, just so many things, man. I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. I mean, it's it sounds like, you know, this year for selection, I mean, everything was different compared to previous years. And it sounds like that's what, what made the difference. Yeah, I mean, I would even do stupid things like, like if I'm working out or doing a road trip or, you know, just whatever. I know a lot of guys that they win silence, right? And they wouldn't put earphones on or anything. But I put earphones on that was on on um, repeat with the with uh, welcome parties. So I'd be out running or rucking, all I'd hear, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, just all kinds of you know welcome parties shit, just blasting in my ears like all hours of the day, and that's all I heard. And that all that was completely numb to me during the event. Things like that I would do, and, you know, psychologically just get the mental game up. Yeah, because it, I mean, I know that they say it's it's a mental game too. I mean, it's absolutely a physical game as well, but it sounds like in the in the previous times that you've, you know, left selection, the cadre have told you you were doing great, you know. So it doesn't seem like it was your, your physical game that was, you know, holding you back, but maybe the, the mental side. So it sounds... Sounds like that really worked. Yeah, which is which is absolutely crazy because again, like I, I 
I invested so much into this event. Like I went and bought sandbags. I saved up so much money so I could, I could train full time. I, uh, and you know, it, it just, everything I did was around this event. Uh, it, it's crazy to think about the other times, how far I made it and how I felt afterwards. And it was like, never did, didn't do any strength training, didn't do sandbag training, you know? So it makes me wonder, I don't, I don't want to say that those were easier times, but it was a different place. Like it didn't weigh as much. And, uh, you know, I was still, I, I'm not saying this one was easy physically. I was beat up. Like my feet are still aching and, and uh, all bruised up. But I mean, even with all the stuff I changed and did for this event, you know, still, still like beat up. It really is the mental. Physical, I think, could be there for anybody. You just have to mentally say, like, is is this what I want? And if you're thinking about anything else in the world, it doesn't matter what it is. You know, like, one little ache in your body goes a long way in this event. So if you're thinking about that and it dwells and it spreads like the play, then you're done. Like, you just have to go in bulletproof mentally. There's no one there cheering you on helping you out. I mean, the cadre are out there yelling at you. The event is out there designed to beat you down. And so if you're also beating yourself down, I mean, that's gotta be, that's gotta be tough. You got no one. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like you have the camera on you. So to me, that is someone. And then I didn't know Alice, but I had Patrick. So Patrick and I, we spent a weekend. He came, he came up to Colorado and, uh, spent the weekend with me and we went hard. We went hard that weekend and we talked a lot. We, we trained and I mean, he talks more than I do. So he, t- he talked a lot and, uh, you know, we just had, we just had a blast talking about different scenarios and what to do. And it, it didn't take much, you know, just looking over to left or right and seeing him, um, and, you know, that goes a long way. Um, and then, and then again, the camera, you know, Every time it's in your face, you just see those, those, you know, best friends, the the family, the, you know, people that are that are cheering for you. you. You see them and you think about them every time the camera's in front of you, and you're just like, you know, like to me, that's that's a bonus. I don't think anybody's gonna ever quit in front of the camera. Uh, that I've seen, I don't know. I mean, it's usually like when it's off them. You know, like truly alone. Uh, so every, I mean, the camera was a bonus for me. And then, you know, again, having Patrick there too. You know, that's a, that's a great way of looking at it because being on the outside looking in, I would think that the camera might be a little bit distracting, but you know, here you are. And when you've got the camera on you, it's kind of like uh, checking you. And so of course you're not going to quit when the camera's there. If only the camera could be running you know, 48 hours straight. I wonder how <laughs> it's a lot easier to quit when there's, when there's no one else around watching you, but when you know there's yeah. a, a thousand people on the live feed tuning in. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like yeah, <laughs> you just, you think, you know, that's exactly why they call it spotlight ranger, right? Someone, you know, that camera comes over to you and all of a sudden you're doing work and it goes away and then you're not it's just like a headlamp or a light or whatever, you know, like, goes based on who's watching what you know and where the light is but man like it's uh it's funny you know during that 
during that 12-mile ruck, which I think we're calling it now the 12-plus, but it was really like the uh, how many laps can you do in three and a half hours or how many miles, man, freaking people disappeared. You That was, that was crazy because it was like darkness, right? And we're going back and forth, back and forth, and freaking – you just you kind of like counted bodies to stay awake and like kind of see where you're at and you just counted less and less each time and you know people are just like disappearing into the woods and saying fuck it and that was a good time for him to do it you know like those are the moments that get them i mean it, it was dark when you guys did the 12 too the 12 plus oh yeah and probably an easier time than normal to to sneak away oh yeah you'd hear you'd hear all kinds of things in the bushes and you know, like barrel-like type movements, and <laughs> which is, you know, like that was someone that snuck off into the woods, or and who knows what they're doing? Maybe they went to, you know, take a dump, or there's there's um, sneaking in snacks or whatever. But I I think mostly it was just them, you know, taking a shortcut or you know, kind of like going around to the backside so no one would see them and uh, just saying farewell. So I think that twelve miler got a bunch of them. You know, it's kind of tough to, to count on the live feed too. And, but I mean, you were there. I mean, those, those numbers dwindled by the next day. There was what, five left? Yeah. So there was five of us. I think, uh, the sixth guy fell right before the 24 hour. Yeah. That, that, um, that caterpillar human centipede sandbag from hell thing we were doing. And, uh, I, I think that's, that's what happened there. They got hurt. So showing up for selection, I mean, but before you even really get a, to play the games, you have to go through the push-ups and the sit-ups. And so you're you're probably pretty familiar with the push-ups and the sit-ups since you've done those at the the previous three attempts. You know, I'm I'm curious because doing push-ups and sit-ups in your garage is pretty easy. You know, what's the what's the feeling like doing them there at selection compared to doing them at home? Is it is the stress really that big? Well, yeah, I mean, that whole PT test, I, I can probably say I've never failed or came close to failing any part of that. So um, the I think, you know, just looking around, you got to wonder what the hell, you know, people, there's some, you know, crazy builds of man out there. And you're like, how is this guy failing push-ups or sit-ups? But it's it's the standing around not having your pre-workout freshly ingested into your body, uh, doing the packing and repacking, uh, people that have fear going through their bodies, they, they tremble and trouble takes energy and energy is expended and this and that. So, you know, the other part is just reaching deep inside and saying, did I, did I really perfect my push-ups and sit-ups or did I half-ass it? And, you know, like I've been cheated. Um, so, I mean, I, I bulletproof all of my training. I train in harder climates, terrains, um, outside circumstances. Um, but I make damn sure that my freaking chest hits the ground and my arms are fully extended for every push up I do. I go beyond, you know, as much as I can for the sit up in between my legs and, uh, my runs are in, on a harder terrain with elevation. So, I mean, that's how you have to do it. Um, and then my push-ups and sit-ups, I, I, 
I do the perfect standard and I'm damn near close to hitting it in a minute. Like that was, that was my standard. I wanted to nail it in a minute. Uh, I think push ups. I was about two off, uh, before selection. And then, um, uh, my sit ups were just over. So, I mean, to me, that's a bulletproof scenario. If you're getting it in two minutes, you're not going there prepared. You got to get it. I'd say a minute, minute and a half is realistic uh, to, to having perfect everything. I feel bad because I can't recall exactly who said it. I think it might have been Doug when I interviewed him, but a previous selection finisher had mentioned that they finished, you know, they hit the mark, the push-ups in, you know, like you said, just over a minute. And they kind of looked around and did six more. I think in the time that they went from one minute to two minutes because they weren't really sure what to do with their time. They didn't want to, you know, just burn through themselves, keep doing pushups, but that, that blew me away. And then, you know, talking to you now, you, your goals were the same, you know, hit, hit that number in a minute or a little bit over so that, you know, you've got plenty of time to get there when you're, uh, you know, when it's game time. Right. Right. And then, so that was the training scenario. So like if I, I would do it every other day. I would alternate three times um, a minute in between rest, uh, push-ups, and then the next day I would do the same thing for sit-ups. And, and I built this up. I, I started at 30 seconds, three rounds, and then I would, you know, once I hit a number that I liked, I hit 45 seconds, then, you know, I hit the minute. And I think I've only done two minutes uh, programmed or if I was doing like a full PT test circuit. Um, only a few times, but you know, like that minute was my benchmark. That's, that's where my number. And then I had the standard for race or for the event day, in which I had a plan of how many, num- how many I was going to do time of rest, how many I would do time of rest. And, you know, you just practice your game plan and it's just, it's the same. it should be the same because you're confident in what it is instead of, you know, trying something new is the whole try something new on, on race day under stress and, and uh, not perfect scenarios. So that really goes a long way. Sure. Seems like it. So just to confirm your, your training leading up to this, you started doing, you know, every other day. So I guess you did this every day, but you switched on push-ups and sit-ups that you would do 30 seconds on what a minute off 30 on a minute off 30 on. And then you'd up it once you're happy with your numbers to 45 on. And then when you're happy with that, you upped it to a minute on, a minute off. Yeah. And when I was happy, it was a negative split. So if I would do the first round, I would say, let's say in 30 seconds, I was doing, I don't know, 20 push-ups, right? The next one, I needed to do 21. And then the next one, I needed to at least do 22. And if I wasn't hitting those numbers, like I wouldn't advance. Um, and then all the numbers that like the solid numbers I wanted was broken down for what I needed for the minute. Right. So 55 pushups a minute break down to 30 seconds, you know, cut that in half, uh, like 27, 28, something like that. Uh, and then, you know, if, if I hit that number with the negative splits, then I would advance. That's really cool. Uh, you know, how you staggered it like that, because I mean, that's kind of how you train for, for sprints and for and for fast races right you run a bunch of 400s and you try and uh keep the times down and then you do some 800s and like if you're racing like trying to race a 5k or something right kind of how you how you broke it down with the 30s and kept racking through them then upped it to 45 yeah and it's the whole 
you know, what can you do? You know, is a big on Brian's heavy drop training is, you know, it doesn't matter what you can do fresh, right? So that third round, you know, can you still maintain or do better? And, and that was the number I wanted. Absolutely. So at the event, I mean, Gorak Selection, you got through the PT test, no problem. Well, I say that was no problem for anybody because they, they threw some curveballs our way, you know, like that whole low crawl on the breeze, go get wet, go mud pit. Man, that mud was freaking heavy, dude. Like your pack went from 55 pounds to definitely 70. And then your body was like at least another 10 pounds of mud. It was just, that was some thick crap we crawled through. So, and that mud lingered for, for like 24 hours, man, until, until we started getting in the water and like, that was nice because it was it was actually, you know, trading off heavy mud for for water that that was drainable, you know. So like, I, that was crazy, and that was during the twelve miler that we were you know caked up a little bit. So the PT test was entirely easy. Yeah, that mud seemed like something else, and I talked to a couple other people down there, you know, who were doing you know working the sides or working the event, and they were saying that the, you know the bugs were bad the smells down there that it just had a, you know, everything just kind of had a, a unique feeling that you don't quite get when you're watching it through the live feed. Yeah. The, the mosquitoes. And <laughs> this is something I I've been, I've had a luxury of not dealing with being in Colorado is, is not having the mosquitoes um, like they were, they were, they, that almost dropped me. If they didn't spray me down with bug spray a couple of times, I, I don't know. I it was bad. You could see the the wealth on my head on some of those pictures that they took. Like they're they were crushing my head, and I, I just couldn't take it. It was driving that was driving me absolutely insane. Yeah, I'm not a fan of bugs. I mean, especially ones that just fly around and bite you and are horrible. So that would have not not have been fun. I'm glad that they did spray you guys down because that just seems you know just a next level you're already there doing selection and now you've got the mosquito issue yeah that, <laughs> i mean if the, the cadre are, are squatting away and you know i mean i think about how we were too so yeah thank thank goodness and then when they and i broke character too you know like i broke the i'm i'm a serious uh candidate right now and i was like thank you guys you guys are freaking incredible thank you so much and they're probably like shut up candidate but I, I just couldn't, I couldn't contain myself for how grateful I was. That's awesome. And I think that just goes to show, uh, how bad the mosquito problem was. Yeah, that was bad. So, I mean, you're, you're out there at selection. A lot of people who are listening, watch the live feed, but we got to see, you know, we got to see the Murph. We got to see those, what was it that like bucket apparatus? that you guys got to carry around. There's just, you know, all of these components to Gorak selection that we're able to go out there and watch, you know, looking back, it's been a little bit of time, you know, almost two weeks, I think since, since Gorak selection occurred, you know, what are, what looking back now, what are some of those, uh, those worst parts of that event or parts of the event that you thought that you were the, the least prepared for? Well, you know, the game plan going into it was to stay, stay ahead of at least one person. I knew there was, I knew there was going to be some, some tough talent there this year. And I knew that winning everything is not the game. 
because the moment you lose something, it gets drilled into you. And then you become, you feel like a loser. Uh, but losing is losing. And that's where they really capitalize on, on your performance. So the whole time, I just wanted to be ahead of at least one person. I didn't care where I was or what I was doing. Uh, but the moment where I felt like I was behind, even though I was ahead of uh, Hurtado, uh, was that freaking two by four with that 80 pound sandbag uh, dragging from it. And, and that was just, and I told, I told, uh, I think it was Kajak Cody afterwards. I said, this thing was meant for tall suckers like you and <laughs> short little danky guys like me, because that bag was, it was on my shoulder and it was basically like dragging off the ground. And he kept saying, like, get it up, get it up. And that was, that was just stupid. That was freaking, that was hard. And you know, again, I, I was playing my game plan, but since Hurtado was so far behind, they were just, I was like the next guy, right? I was, I was the guy that was losing out of us three or us four at the time. And I just, I felt like, man, I'm falling apart. My game, like they were getting into my head. Like the, my game plan is done. And then they had the guys that were, that were done. They were running around me and saying, winning, winning, winning. And it's just, it was, they were doing a great job of, of uh, trying to work my mental game. Um, but then you know, one of the cadre came and he was like, do not put it down. Otherwise you're going to start over. And man, that was, that was a kick in the nuts to, to make my like final push. Like if, if I died doing that, dragging that freaking thing to the finish or wherever it was behind me, I was going to do it because I did not want to do that again. And that's exactly what I did. He got me there with that little motivation and, uh, and that was the end of it. That was, that thing was toast after that. I think we had to like disassemble it or get it back to where it started by any means. And then that was nothing. That was, that was easy. So, but dragging that thing was, that was very hard. That was stupid. Yeah, that was, I mean, and just painting a picture for people who, are listening and didn't see that on the live feed. So that was a two by four with an 80 pound sandbag and the two by four went through one of, it was a side handles, right? On the 80 pound sandbag. It was dangling like a, like a pendulum by uh, some tubular webbing. Okay. Uh, so it wasn't even rigged up where it was like sturdy on the two by four. It was dangling and swinging just like a pendulum. And, uh, it, it was just very unstable and obviously, you know, rigid two by four is not a smooth drag. So right. there's that. And the only authorized rest position that they were giving us was to put it in a vertical position, which required you to somehow uh, pivot the, the board on the sand to go vertically with the 80 pound sandbag, which, which took a lot of energy and you ended up going backwards, which was mentally defeating too. But that was like the rest position that you were authorized. Seeing people when they got to that rest position, it didn't look like a rest position because like you said, the, the way the sandbag was attached, it started sliding down and it starts sliding down. It gets closer to touching the ground. And then the cadre are yelling about the, you know, your sandbags about to touch the ground and don't let that happen. Right. Watching the rest sections, it looked like it was making more issues than it was potentially solving. Yeah, yeah, it, it just <laughs> it took a lot of energy to get into that rest position. And then when you were there, 
after like a couple shakes either of your arm, they were yelling at to keep going anyway. So really, it really didn't benefit. Um, it there was just no winning at that thing. I don't know who the guys that did that like flawlessly. I commend them because that that really put a hurting on me. And then he had that that freaking drone was like flying all around you. Um, and it just, you know, it, it, that didn't help at all. <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> I, I, it, one thing to have a camera and a cadre talking, but to have a drone, like, like a hive of bees coming at you, it's just, it, it's just mentally taxing. I mean, it's just one more thing, right? Like, yeah. On top of everything else. Yeah. I remember you know, tuning in when you guys were getting over and I saw those, I had no idea what you were going to be doing with them. I thought that you were going to have to put the two by four across your back and then put the sandbag on top of it or something. But you know, what they ended up making you do was far worse than I could have ever imagined. Uh, yeah. I like, even if I knew that was going to be in another, event, I would not train for it just because it's like the low crawl. You don't, you don't train a low crawl. You just do it when the time comes. You know, like, yep. that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's something you just gut out when it's, when it's time for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you heard it as much as they were telling me to get my head down. You could tell I'd never once trained for the low crawl and I military for 18 years. So, I mean, it's just one of those things you just do when it comes. Yep. Oh, so yeah, I mean, that was a. I don't know if I want to say it was like a defining moment for me, but that was a, that was one of those moments that I'm probably never going to forget is watching you guys all do that because it was that in itself. If that was just the event, that would have really sucked. But I mean, that was just, I mean, what was that? Like half an hour of it. It was, uh, I don't know. Time doesn't really, time doesn't really exist when you're there. Yeah. Except for the sun up, sun down. That's about it. <clears throat> so moving on from that, I mean, were there, were there other surprises, you know, you've, you've come to selection a number of times Were there things that, that really shocked you, you know, this time around. So the, the two times I was in Jacksonville, I didn't hit that, that little, uh, pier section where we were low crawling up and, you know, in and out of the water. Um, those, the crawling on those shells is just, I mean, I, I watched guys just quit right there through low crawls cause they just couldn't take it, you know? And, and then the aftermath of, a lot of people's elbows and knees was like, holy crap. And it just destroyed them. And I just timed it out where when I was cold, I had a long sleeve on or my arm sleeves and, you know, pants went on as soon as possible. And I just lucked out. I didn't have any bruises on me for, uh, for that kind of crawling, but some people got ripped up. Uh, so yeah, a lot, a lot of the low crawling surprised me. That apparatus really surprised me. Um, changing up the PT test, um, especially with the mud and and getting wet, and um, you know the the do as many rounds as possible type scenario that surprised me. But I liked that. I like I like those kind of surprises where they altered the PT test and then right and made it unknown again. Crawling in the I, I absolutely just despised and I was happy when it was done so i guess in a sense that made everything else easier because, like i'm not doing this crap anymore on to the next one and i was like i was like skipping to the next event i guess you know like just happy to be there 
<laughs> yeah, I can imagine. What's it, that shale stuff on the beach? I mean, that's like legendary in terms of people talking about selection events down in Jack's because, I mean, that just cuts up the elbows, it cuts up the knees. And so it sounds like you lucked out pretty well by uh, coming away with no no bloody knees or elbows. I don't know. I don't know how that happened, honestly. I'm very lucky. Like my, my girlfriend, Fern, she, you know, before she got knocked out and got a concussion by getting kicked in the face during that mud crawl, her, her knees and elbows are still ripped up. And it just, it's crazy. That's brutal. And that's awesome that you were, you know, skipping on to the next event. I mean, when I was watching the, uh, the post interview that Jason put on, I think it was, was it Alex who mentioned that he had seen those, those tires come down and he was really, really excited because he could just rip through tires and then you guys never got to actually use the tires and that was mentally defeating for him. Yeah. I, I mean, I was curious. I like the tires. I, I once for whatever reason, I flipped a tire about that size for 12 hours straight just for the, you know, frick of it. And, uh, I was curious to, to know how much those weighed and, and I agree with what he said, you know, it would have been a, a, uh, active recovery kind of state, you know, and stuff like that, like the Murph and the, the CrossFit, uh, section of the event, those are, those are enjoyable because you have control. No one was messing with us during that really, you know, like we're getting water sprayed us, whatever, but we had control over those events. They were ours. That was our time to to do what we needed to do. You know what I mean? So if we were flipping tires, it would have been the same scenario. That's, that's kind of like me time. And those parts of it is, is really what you need to go there with the, uh, the mindset of you have to have happy points. You have to have some wins. And if you're flipping or doing a wad, uh, throwing a sandbag, you got a cadre that's there saying like, keep going, keep going, but it's still, it's still on you. You know, like you, you can mosey up to the next, to the sandbag that you just threw, you know, pick it up slowly and then throw it and then just mosey, you know, it gets that it's kind of your pace. It's your event at that point. So yeah. Uh, I was curious why they, they had him off the truck and then they, I saw him was before the long walk. We saw him go away and we're like, why? going <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a good question and um you know people use rucking as active recovery that's uh i, mean, I guess that just kind of shows the the level you've got to be at to successfully complete selection where tire flipping is your active recovery yeah you, you have to take those little wins and and make it bigger than it really is you know if you don't and you're like oh man i gotta flip tires oh man i gotta you, you can't. You gotta have a win in every single throw. Every little, every little detail is just two seconds ahead, one second win. Two seconds ahead, one second win, and just over and over and over again. So for the Murph, I mean that was that was a weighted Murph, correct? Right, but um, you know they had a sprint. I don't know if you guys saw that, but they had us like sprint. Oh, I was like two hundred meter thing and. Alex was ahead, and then as soon as we hit the turnaround, I I just sensed, and they said pays to be a winner, so I was like, all right, I'm gonna sprint, and and I was going for the win then, and I think we like tied or something at the end that they they both had us 
carry the just a plate carrier. Uh, so so we didn't have as much as the other guys, but I don't know by I don't know the difference in weight. Uh, but yeah, we had I think we had uh, thirty. I don't know something like that. It wasn't zero. It was a number. It was a num- <laughs> yeah. It was a number. <laughs> I mean, at, at that point, right, your your ruck is probably pretty pretty heavy compared to when it started because of all the mud, all the, the stuff attached to it. So that must have felt like, you know, kind of a win that you get to put on this brand new dry plate carrier that doesn't weigh a super extra to complete the event that, you know, kind of feels like a win to you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Even if it was a heavier, different piece of equipment that was my ruck it was still a win because of, it, it was different, you know, and change is great in that event. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of, it was cool to field test something new that nobody's ever seen before. So that was nice. Yeah. I'll say I was shocked to see it. Those, those new plate carriers. And I'm excited to see when Gorak actually ends up releasing them because I think they look, you know, pretty sweet. Sometimes you want to go out and put some miles on, but you don't need to bring water or, or any of those extra little things i can see a ton of uses for them i'm excited oh definitely it's a lot it's a lot more um i guess versatile for or if like you bring it into a gym or if you just want like you said go for a run without drawing so much attention to you um and it's definitely definitely better than weight vests i think weight vests are kind of a thing in the past you know compared to the that style of weight care or a plate carrier or a rock or something like that uh, I used to do weight vests all the time, and I and I would definitely take that or a ruck over a weight vest any day. Nice. Well, I'm even more excited now for Gork to hopefully release them soon. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, it's stuck to the back too, which was nice. I mean, we didn't do any bear crawls or stuff like that, but I mean, you know, running it it was like glued to my back. That worked well. That's perfect because that's where it, that's where it gets you right when you're ruck running is that the bounce if there's any bounce then it's just it's amplified and it's not fun. Yep, yep, exactly. Going from all those workouts, I mean, then you hit the you hit the long walk, and I'm curious. I mean, I heard Alex's you know talking about his long walk. I've talked to a number of other people about their experiences with it. I mean, how was that for you? All I know is that if there is a video out there of somebody <laughs> that was behind me, I would I would pay money to see it because I I know I was I was like going towards the ocean and then I was going up the sand and I I probably I probably added a few miles by not going in a straight line. I I was so tired and so out of it. Uh, there was, there was times where I would, I would wake up and I was like right next to Alex or right next to Patrick. And it was just crazy. I've never hallucinated like that in any event that I've, I've done longer, longer events, right. And I've never hallucinated like that. That was just like, when, when you get to the point where you're just constantly hallucinating that badly and it's like you're inside a nightmare, it just does not end want it you just want it all to just stop right that's how bad it was it was just like i was on a bad trip from hell and it just would not go away so while this was happening to you 
I mean, did you realize how bad it was? Or was it, you know, kind of after the fact looking back where you're like, man, that is messed up? No, it was during, during, I was, I, like, I don't know. In my past, I've been really drunk and it's just like, why won't this go away? Why won't this stop? Why can't I sleep? Why can't I eat? You know, all those little things. And, uh, you know, I would compare it to just probably being like really high and really drunk and, and can't get that sensation to go away and you just can't get your mind right and you just need to like wait it out right and waiting it out was having the sun come up and having that refresher in which it didn't because it was there was like torrential downpour and wind blowing in our face and there was no getting away from that because it was coming in sideways so you <laughs> didn't like somehow you're still like falling asleep and tripping over yourself and spinning in circles that was horrible it sounds like it like the closest i've ever been in my life was this event called the texas water safari it was a 240 mile canoe race right and we were up 56 hours no sleep and just paddling eight hours at a time to the next checkpoint eight hours at a time to the next checkpoint paddle 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 and that was probably the closest, but there was no rain. There was no wind. It was just, you know, a little bit hot, a little bit cold. And you just kept it in one thing. This, this was a completely different world. Now it sounds like a unique event. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. It definitely was. I, uh, I joined a buddy who, um, who wanted to check it off his bucket list. And that was one I didn't really train for either. I just... Uh, and I did it with him and I regretted not really training. And that was our first time actually paddling together ever uh, in the world, in the, what they deem the world's hardest canoe race. So. Yeah. And it's, that seems like one of those things that you want to, you know, might want to figure out in advance because everyone paddles differently and make sure you can actually paddle together straight and what your, your rhythm's going to be. Oh yeah. Well, our was, we'll figure it out. We have, 240 miles to perfect it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah. So I remember during the long walk, you know, when they stopped, you guys stopped at the CrossFit gym and you went in. I mean, that was, I was shocked to see that. And I was wildly impressed with how well the three of you did, you know, the wad during it. What was your thoughts on on making that stop? Was that, a, it sounds like that was kind of a, a blessing to you at least you personally because it was one of those things that you knew what you had to do and you just had the time to do it yourself and you're it sounds like you're a little bit warmer during it man i'll tell you why it came at the right time i mean you're walking on that beach right and you see anybody pop out you know onto the beach and you're like oh you just it's just like a blessing you're like oh i get to see something new i see activity but nobody was coming on the beach at like one, two in the morning, right. To, to go in the water when it's pouring and windy. So there was like nobody that was coming out. But so I'm either one, almost to a new checkpoint two, I'm going to be doing something different or three, it's going to end. And, uh, you know, they walked us up and it, it was ending at that point and there was something new. So those two things right there made it really um, rewarding and then to enter a CrossFit gym and do workouts that you enjoy doing 
and to have a little bit of music and reality back and you know re you know um reintegrated into your life was was it just it definitely just you know reignited uh the event so it was it was good timing yeah sure i mean sure it seems like it which is a, a weird thing to say when you were i don't know what like 36 hours into a 48 hour event that wad as being good timing but I'm I'm glad it really worked out for you. Yeah, no, and uh, I, I <laughs> it's funny because a lot of people are like, "How the hell are you doing double unders?" And I was thinking, you know, because they must have said it at some point where a double under and a single under a single under is one rep. But I that I was thinking that they had to do more. So I was like, "Why wouldn't I do double unders?" Because I'm good at them, and you know, in my mind, it's less reps. <laughs> like, yeah. but um. At some point, I realized that wasn't the case, and I went back to singles. But um, I don't know. I enjoy doing it, and it's funny because my feet were so messed up prior to that, and they they started sleeper because you know they thought I was slacking on performance, and then all of a sudden I'm in a CrossFit gym doing double unders, and they're like, "What the fuck?" But for some really crazy reason, it was making my feet feel better. You know, I don't know just like a different movement or just shifting blood around or maybe i was popping blisters as i was doing it but um yeah it was just it was good it's tough to imagine sitting here thinking about that i mean i saw you guys doing the double unders and i if i recall correctly from watching the live feed they did say you know do double unders but i can't i just couldn't imagine that feeling good but like you said i mean it was something different something different for your feet and who knows maybe we're popping blisters and making your feet feel that much better yeah. and mind. it was you know it was good for the mind as well just to have something different yeah yeah absolutely and so then i mean between the crossfit gym and the end of the event i mean i didn't they didn't have too much live coverage they did cover you know the entire end of it which was awesome to watch but was there were there any times in there where things were rough or anything that um you know you look back on and you remember vividly as like this was a a defining moment of the event or is all that time basically just keep pushing through survive and let's finish this thing yeah so so the crossfit gym was the last like happy moment like immediately after we were done that's when that's when it really came down it really and it was like hell on earth and um you know in our mind or at least my mind all right, well, all we got to do is go back on the beach and, and head back. Well, that wasn't the case. The, uh, the mental defeat was we got on the beach and we headed uh, further down, you know, away from our turnaround. And at that point, we met up uh, with a few more cadre, and they were like, you have five minutes to go to the bathroom and get your water full. <laughs> oh, that's an impossible task where we all have to really, really go to the bathroom and, uh, you know, filling our water bottles and, and our uh, bladders is, is like a two minute process, right. You know, by itself. And then just to get to where all the stuff was, the way we were walking was another, at least two minutes. So we're like, all right, we're going to fail this. Let's accept what the, uh, the penalty is and just move on. Well, after we failed and got yelled at and blah, 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 they got us on the beach. 
put us in the, in and out of the ocean a few times, get completely submerged. And then, you know, they sugar cookied us up and got us back into like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger predator status, uh, camp. And then we were basically like running the entire time. I don't know the mileage exactly, but I think it was about 10 and there and then 10 back. So those 10 miles, we were, we were freaking moving and a good part of it, he kept us in the water. Like, so we were running in the water, you know, up to our ankles, like most of the time. And then, you know, the happen to have, you know, quote unquote, happy moment coming back, you know, see the next cadre and here's something new. Well, you know, doing the math and like knowing kind of like the time of the day, we're like, all we got to do is go back, deal with a shark attack and be done. Right. Well, the shark attack came earlier than the shark attack. And that's when Jason and a lot of they pop back through those like shuttle runs or Indian runs all the way back. That was beautiful. We were we were smoked, and uh, that was that was really hard for me to to dig down and, and get to that. But as soon as they started, you know, doing the whole stand and going the water and stuff like that, I mean, it was just kind of like just get it done, just get it done, you know. But that shuttle run back was was pretty brutal. I mean, you already what f- well over 40 hours into the event at that point walking seems like a chore but running you know with your pack and with everything what a nightmare yeah the whole thing was, an, it was that's the best way to put it the whole thing was a nightmare i mean we started off and it was like a, it was like a zombie march right no one was really on us the cadre were like very legit like just in shadow status um very i just i think there to see if you were gonna go in the wrong direction or fall over but they were very quiet they were just just let you be let you stumble let you you know whatever but you look back and they were they were just always there right um so that was kind of like the lingering monster that was always in your you know not in your ear but always just right there behind you and but you were like in zombie mode right and then you went into this this new era of you know um just enlightenment the, the crossfit gym and then you went back into hell like just here's your reality again get dirty get wet start running and it was a complete 180 of what we did to get there in you know later time in the event we were more tired it, yeah it was, I, don't, I don't even know i think it was i want to say it was like Looking back, like three o'clock when we were done with the CrossFit, so you had holy crap, you know it was like three a.m. So then you had like what what twelve hours or so of like just freaking run, rocking, uh, sugar cookies, sprint, and shark attack. That was the night. That was the night. All of it. Yeah, yeah. Just just twelve extra hours after that. I mean, leading towards that, the end of the event, I mean, you had the, the sandbags, right? And they're yelling at you to put them over your heads and, and take steps back. And then finally, you were there and they had you turn around and you're presented with your patches. I mean, how did that feel? Were you, were you excited at that point or were you just numb to everything that was going on around you? You know, I, 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 when they threw us in the back of the truck and we popped out, um, I was asleep in the back, by the way. Uh, even despite what they what they asked us if we were asleep, I said no, but I was. Um, I knew when we got out, that was pretty much what we were doing. Um, 
and and I was fine with that. But I didn't get complacent. You know, like, I still I still took it as I'm going to give as much as I can, and and that's what I did. And they're just and I gave it freaking hell to, to keep that thing above my head as much as possible, and it. It's just so hard. I think I was just completely expended. Um, I had to turn. I think I just, I just remember like dropping the sandbag and like basically collapsing. And Ricky caught me, and I think I was just bawling in his arms, you know. And it's just, I didn't know. I don't. I don't even think I knew it was over. I was just like, it was very emotional, you know, to have to have days, literally days, invested into this event. Uh, by being in the event, you know, for that many hours and to, to finally have that final moment of you, you did it. You finally did it. You should have just trained for it the very first time, you knucklehead. And um, it's just been done with it a long time ago. But I, I think, you know, that classic, everything happens for a reason. And um, it, this was it. Like, I was meant to do the last selection for whatever reason. And uh, I, I wouldn't wish it any other way. Yeah, did that, I mean, build in anywhere on your drive to finish this, that this, you know, selection 2020 is not going to happen, at least as of right now, it's not on the books. Selection 2021, they're saying it'll be changed, you know, changed up a bit from what it is now. Did that, uh, you know, knowing that going in, did that kind of change your drive a little bit? this last time around? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Jason and Ragnar, they came up to Colorado for the, the originals. Yeah. The originals. But we hung out the day before and we all went out to eat that, you know, shot the shit. And, and, and I knew that there wasn't going to be another one. I didn't know there was going to be a 2.0, but I knew that the 2020 was not going to happen. So I was, all I thought about was, man, I, I'm going to be training for a year, thousands of, you know, a thousand miles plus of rucking, all the strength and time and commitment. And, you know, it, it takes money to live. And, you know, when, when you're investing in training and not getting paid for it, you know, it, that that's financially taxing. Um, so you have all these factors and you're like, well, if you don't if you don't pass this year, there's not next year. What are you going to do? Train for two years? You can't afford to train for two years without without working and 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 just all these things that go through your head, right? And uh, that yeah, that was to me that's more skin in the game, and and there was no there was no other option. Right, and that's such a great way of looking at it because I mean, time's money. If you're if you're out there training, that's time you're not spending working. Right. So you're I mean, yep. you're essentially paying to be out there training and which when you start adding up the costs makes uh makes events a little bit more expensive if you factor training time in. Yeah, yeah, a lot more. So, I mean, finishing it up this time around again, you know, congratulations on that. That's that was so awesome to watch. You know, was there anything that you had wished that you had done differently or anything that you had wished that you could, you know, have told yourself training up in this past attempt that would have made the event a little bit better? I mean, it sounds like for the first three events that your advice would have been just take it seriously and train for selection instead of putting it out of B race. But for this most recent one, is there anything that you would, uh, you know, tell yourself if you could have, I, there's, there's nothing I would have changed. Um, I, I think a lot of people just have a better strength base than I've ever had. Uh, but 
man, I've, I've, I put almost 20 pounds on. I've, I've really like upped my game and strength. Uh, I worked a lot on overhead stuff. Um, the biggest thing is, is my mental game. Um, I've always, I've always been in the, in the past events, I've been in a very depressed state and things weren't right in my life. And I think if you don't have the confidence, like I have not in the past, you can't, you can't expect to finish this event. I think you, you just really need to have the right people in your life that support your decisions and support what you do and your goals. And, uh, you need to have the confidence in yourself and your abilities and, uh, and, and need to, need to really make this as a all or nothing. And if you can't look at yourself in the mirror and say those things, then it's just not the right time. I'm not saying it's not for you. I'm just saying it's not the right time. Um, and, and that's what, I, those are the biggest things I changed. I talked to a lot of specialists that, you know, when they went through scenarios of their training, that's their mentality. It was, I'm not going home without this tab or without this patch or without, without whatever they were going to achieve. Right. So you need the confidence. And, and part of that, hand in hand with what I said after the event, uh, a huge crowd there. And I just, I just needed to tell everybody that it doesn't matter how long it takes for you to, to achieve a goal. If you keep at it and you give 100% and then some and, and put every, you know, your heart and soul into it and believe that it's achievable, then you'll get there because that's what I did for my fourth attempt. And, you know, I'm not perfect. It, it took me more than else, but, you know, it was, it was the one that I needed to get there. And, and that's what I changed. And, uh, just, you know, everybody that might be listening that, that has failed at this event, that's what you need to go into the next one because there, there, there should be a next one. If you want something, there should be a next one. And I mean, this is the time that everyone's going to remember too. And it's the time that matters most. I mean, not everyone's got, what Alex's story where Gork select this selection was his first ever Gork event, which is pretty funny. But you know, when it comes down to it, you finished Gork selection and it doesn't matter if you did it in one attempt or two or three or four, you've, you know, you finished Gork selection. Yeah. It happens in the military all the time, you know, like the special forces guys or Rangers, you know, there's, there's non-selects and they go right back into it and then they get selected. And in ranger school, there's there's people that will fail a phase, they get held back, and then they go onward. You know, there's there's all kinds of people, and and you know, setbacks setbacks are harder to you know might be harder to come by. Like my first time, I I got farther than my other times, and I had no idea what I was getting myself into. You know, and it wasn't even a physical thing. It's just my mental wasn't my mental game wasn't there. Um, so it's just, it's achievable. It just needs to be the right time for you. And this time it was a hundred percent the right time. That's perfect. Is there anything else that you want to talk about related to selection that we might've missed? Uh, I, I just want to say, I'm so grateful to, to have Jason in my life. You know, he, he's a person that sincerely cares about me. He, um, you know, from the, from the, very first time I met him to the time he told me to take two years off and I don't want to see your face, uh, to the time he welcomed me back into the community 
and uh, and and just really supported me in a lot of ways this year, and uh, just believed that it could be achieved. Uh, to to all the cadre that did a phenomenal in every selection I've done, phenomenal professional job at 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 perfecting the art and the craft to give us the experience that we all sign up for. Um, to to my girlfriend Fern, who who was the the biggest star in my life to to support everything I've done, to to be right there along my side in a lot of events that we've done. You know, we we won the Star Course earlier this year in Denver, and that was a stepping stone to selection and and other events that we've done and all the rucking and, and time we spent training together. Um, to to uh, you know, people in the community, uh, Jala before she left, uh, and Patrick. You know, we we had a good training weekend, and and we really just it was like our last hurrah of of what we were going to do before we went out and, and knocked out this thing. So uh, yeah, just just all all the good people, you know, on the other side of of the camera too that were supporting us and. And I never watching and I wanted to give the performance for them that, you know, my best performance to them um, for supporting me. And, and I didn't want to fail for them. So thank you guys. Uh, and that's pretty much it. And, and of course, you know, all the sponsors that support me and believe in me as well. So uh, it's been a great year. Sure sounds like it. I mean, it's end of October right now. What a way to finish up 2019. Finishing Gork Selection. Congratulations. Thank you so much for listening to the All Day Rock Off podcast. This has been episode number 125. You can get the show notes at alldayrockoff.com slash 125. Truly hope you enjoyed this episode with Mark Jones, one of the three finishers of Gork Selection Class 021. I had a ton of fun talking to Mark about this event, having him on the podcast, and uh, hopefully he'll be back on again to talk about some of the other exciting events he has planned for the future. If you enjoyed this episode, I would truly appreciate it if you'd leave a review on either iTunes or on Facebook. You can search for All Day Ruck Off or there's links in the show notes. If you want to support the podcast financially, there's the online store, alldayruckoff.com slash store. And there's a Patreon, patreon.com slash alldayrockoff, which gives you a couple extra bonuses. Links to all that again in the show notes. Truly appreciate the support. And honestly, I just appreciate that you downloaded this and listened to it. I can't wait to talk to you next week. Have an awesome interview lined up for you there. I think you're going to like it. And as always, don't forget, attitude is everything. Keep yours positive and drink hard, rock harder.